Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. So we interview others more knowledgeable than us um, and they teach us about things we don't know. So um, super excited about our guest today and our topic. Um, but first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your glass? Well, this morning I'm starting off with a uh, cup of coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's like more of like a low acidic coffee. So it doesn't upset my stomach too much if I drink a couple of glasses of coffee <laughs> and then a little bit, a little bit of creamer, no sugar. Uh, that's it kind of gets, gets my day going. I think uh, today might be two. I think we're going for two cups today. So uh, Dr. Bobby, what's in your class? Um, I also have coffee as well. So it is a much needed morning much <laughs> for this morning, I should say. Yeah, it's been a busy week. So, uh, so we have a guest with us today who is well versed in the topic of pain, and this is the first episode in pain. And what is what is pain? It's something that we think we understand. I can tell you from my perspective as a physical therapist, I really didn't understand more of that big picture of pain until I started getting into some uh, more extensive continuing education classes. So we are going to, in this episode, take that step back with our audience and have them join this ride with us to better understand pain. So we have with us Dr. Tamara. So Dr. Tamara, what's in your glass? I have a glass of Colombian coffee uh, this morning with a little bit of almond milk and some local honey. Oh, local honey. Good for the allergies. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so Dr. Tamara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a physical therapist and also an athletic trainer. So I've been in the field. Um, gosh, I don't even want to admit how long, about 18 years total. And uh, I currently uh, work with the military. I'm a contractor with the military and uh, work in a very open clinic that is open access. Um, so my patients can just come straight to me, um, whether it's acute stuff or chronic stuff. And then also on the side, I am one of the senior faculty instructors for AAMT, American Academy of Manipulative Therapy, and I teach dry needling for them. Meaning... You've got some good information and <laughs> we really are so excited to hear it. <laughs> so when we, when we take a, a step back from pain, there's individuals that through experience, through education, through practice are going to have a perspective that I think is just helpful to share. So that's why we invited you on because you have a, a different perspective than not even other physical therapists sometimes or other athletic trainers. Everything combined is what makes your perspective uh, uh, valuable and meaningful and something to share. So when we talk about pain, my first question is, is pain bad? Well, I think that's a difficult question. It is. Because, uh, it, it can be. And, and sometimes it's not. Um, so that's, it's not an easy answer. Um, pain can warn us and can tell us that something's going on and pain is important in that aspect. Um, but uh, pain can also be detrimental and not helpful. And uh, something we sometimes focus on that isn't uh, helping anything um, and it's just kind of still there hanging out uh, so right. um, pain's not always bad but it's 
certainly not something that we're all looking to find. For sure. And that's, I think, something we talked about in stress, the stress awareness month was, is stress bad? Well, chronic stress is bad. It's not good for you. Physiologically, there's some really negative health effects of chronic stress. However, sometimes acute stress is actually good. It gets us into that fight or flight mode. It gets us out of a dangerous situation. It speeds us up when we need to rush and really get something done. It's just, how do we ramp it back down? And, and how would how do we get it from not controlling us and having it be a beneficial aspect of what's going on? And so the way I see pain is if I put my hand on a hot stove and it hurts, that warning signal is like, get out of danger. Like the brain is saying, stop it, but don't get your hand on that hot thing. If I have a fractured bone and I've got pain, that's like, do not keep stepping on this. That will make things worse. So pain is something to be valued in a way of, it is a signal to tell our body what not to do. (laughs) It can get out of hand though. And it becomes chronic and then, or it's even acute, but not in a controlled manner. And then there's the emotional response that can happen to that of like, I'm really upset that I am in pain. And then that starts to trigger more pain because pain apparently isn't just mechanical, right? Did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) I will say over the years, like my, just like you were talking about, Jess, like your, your knowledge and awareness of what pain is, has changed and mine has continued to change and, and how not only I treat it and address it, but how I recognize it and recognize factors that affect pain. Um, Coming out as PTs, right? There's a mechanical reason. We've got to go after it. There's an impairment. Let's fix it. Mm. And then you start to realize as you've been doing it for a little while that, oh, there's a lot of other factors and maybe it's not all all physical. Mm-hmm. Um, or saying- just even that chemical response that we, we know occurs with inflammation. But there's more than just that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So as far as this, uh, the things that contribute to pain, Dr. Tamara, what, what are the different components to pain? Cause we know there's a mechanical component, right? We've got fibers inside of our skin, little nerve endings. And then if I, if I touch something sharp or something hot, that, that signal goes to my brain and it's like, do something right. So that one's pretty straightforward. I think most people think of pain in that, in that regard of, of, you know, hot, sharp, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what are other things that contribute to how the brain um, perceives pain and understands pain? So one of the things that I'll describe to my patients a lot of times, you guys have covered a couple of the things, stress and sleep have been two of your topics, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And those certainly can affect them. Um, And one of the ways that I'll describe it to my patients is kind of like you have this threshold of where your body starts to recognize pain. And you can have lots of little things going on and never hit that threshold. But when you um, are lacking sleep, when you're stressed, when your diet is really bad and inflammatory in nature, um, when you have multiple injuries going on, that threshold starts to lower and it doesn't take nearly as much to get to it Um, So something pretty small could seem like it is painful when if you had had 
you know, plenty of sleep and hadn't been stressed and hadn't had all these other factors, you may have not even noticed it as pain. Um, so I, I think some of the things you guys have already touched on are big, big factors um, in that. And then the one that I would say that maybe you guys haven't touched on as much um, is uh, nutritional um, and diet. We've got, there's inflammatory diets, which is basically the the sad diet or the standard American diet <laughs> is an inflammatory diet. Um, and that doesn't help uh, the body get, get rid of inflammatory markers. So then our pain is just continuing to kind of snowball um, into bigger effects. I've noticed like, since we, I have started, like I have a lot of post-op patients all of a sudden and I've noticed the one, so like before I'd be like, we got to get you moving a lot of shoulders, a lot of patients I've had shoulder issues, got to get you moving after surgery that, you know, and if I took a step back and I was like, okay, first you need to sleep Two, you need to keep your pain under control. Like, I don't care anything about like therapy right now. Like if we can get you sleeping well and get your pain well controlled, like there's going to be some discomfort with it, but like, um, I've noticed therapy goes so much better. They're much happier. Their progress is better. And it may not be to the standard protocol of what's wanted, but like the end result is the same and it's a lot more enjoyable process for them. Absolutely. Yeah. If we can, uh, reduce pain, then people will move and self-treat. And that's one of my big things is, you know, if I can if I could, the population that I work with is very active. So movement's not our problem, but when you're in pain, you move differently mm-hmm. um, and you can create more issues. So if I can get rid of your pain and reduce your pain, you'll self-correct. Your body wants to move efficiently. Um, so as long as we don't leave it in that compensation for years on end, it'll self-correct it uh, and they'll get back to moving. And then that's honestly less work that I have to do to try and fix those things. Yeah. As I am in a fellowship right now, and as I have like learned and with continuing education, I feel like out of school, you're taught like focus on the mechanical issue, like assess where's the weakness, where's this, where's that. And this has made me really take a step back and be like, well, if they didn't have the pain, would the weakness be there? Or if they didn't have the pain, would the compensation be there? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes no, like if you move the pain, of course, they're going to go walk more and be more active, you know, and then you're kind of fixing, you know, that problem along the way. So it's like looking outside more and maybe paying a little bit of attention to the pain and getting rid of it and, or lessening it to where they can function. Um, and then further assessing from that point. We see this all the time, right? With like arthritic joints, like a NEOA. Well, you need to lose weight and that'll take pressure off your knee and it'll hurt less. Yes, but to lose weight, I have to move and to move (laughs) causes pain. So I don't move. So I gain more weight. And it's just this in, you know, this cycle of uh, struggle that the patient's in because the pain is something they haven't figured out how to get rid of. Um, Just this past week, I was teaching a class in a very active PT having knee pain and I'm saying this and he's shaking his head like, yes, I want to run and lose weight. Just <laughs> running is my thing, but my, my knee pain limits me and I can't walk for several days afterwards. Um, and so uh, sometimes again, yeah, if we can get them out of that cycle that's occurring, 
mm -hmm. uh, then they are able to kind of self-correct on their own. Yeah, completely. I, I see that all the time as well. One of the first things that I even as in my history when I'm talking to a patient is sleep, right? So Absolutely. it's what, you know, what's contributing to the pain, you know, when to start, what's contributing, what makes it worse, what makes it better, you know, all of those things. Just have an understanding if they even understand what makes it worse and better, mm -hmm. or does it feel like it happens in an uncontrolled manner? So just even that awareness of how much power do they have over the situation is a, a stress component, right? If you feel like something is completely random and attacks you out of the blue, then that's going to put your stress response a lot higher. And you feel like there's this nebulous thing that at any point in time is just going to come, you know, rearing its, its ugly head. And so there's, so that's my like, okay, how much stress do we have going on associated with this condition? And then two, like, how well are you sleeping? And so is it something that is, you know, could be other things going on? You know, we've had an episode about sleep apnea and how much that can be affecting yeah. everything. So it's like all of these are contributing factors when, when we're doing that initial intake. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because people are like, but it, but it hurts right here. When, when are you going to just get to that? <laughs> like, <laughs> calm, yeah. down, calm down. <laughs> and like, I think there's an element of that, of um, we, we need to know um, as their therapists, like some of those factors that are involved but at the same time, we also have to remember they came for the pain. So at some point we've got to right. um, early on in order to get that, that buy-in, we've got to address their pain. And that's certainly something that I think like going through PT school um, and we have to remember that, you know, going through PT school, like you're only going to retain, they told us day one. Uh, in orientation, you'll retain about 30% of what you learn. So who knows, maybe they taught us this stuff and we don't remember. Like, you, know, like you don't retain it all. So, uh, and you're trying to, you know, let's be honest, you're trying to learn it, but you're also trying to pass the test. So right. we're, we're trying to get to that point. Um, so nothing against our amazing professors in school. No, but not at all. There's certainly, you know, things that you blocks that we have to um, build our foundation on. And I think um, also a lot has in, uh, progressed in the last. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the research has yeah. really and, been exploding. Yeah, in yeah, science. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, but I loved that, you know, it, in school, it was always find find the cause, treat the cause, not the, you know, not the symptoms, but, and I would argue, I remember arguing with some of the professors, <laughs> but they came for the symptoms and how am I going to find the cause sometimes, especially in chronic pain? Mm -hmm. um, how am I going to find the cause if I don't calm their symptoms down? Right. You know, like shoulders are the worst, right? When shoulder pain comes in, everything hurts. Like, I don't know. Like, you, every movement hurts you. Every special test like hurts you. Yeah. Thing, you the know? whole thing is bothering me. And I'm like, I, mm, yeah, mm, I'm going to make sure red flags, like we don't have like shoulders in place. This is a good sign. <laughs> um, it's not going to fall off. We're okay. Uh, I'm going to try and calm down your pain so I can actually figure out like which muscle might be involved, which tissue may be involved, but I've got to calm it down so that I can actually move you and, and test you. Um, and it is one of the things that I really like about 
my um, position and where I'm at is that uh, I can have them come in the very next day or, you know, like I can kind of work through that incrementally uh, versus having to, you know, have everything done. But that's what I love about being a PT, right? Like we get to see our patients more than once for 10 minutes. Um, Mm. We get to develop those relationships. We get to ask those questions, whether you ask them day one or you ask them in conversation on day two of sleep or stress or like what's going on in your life or, you know, those, those sort of factors that play into it that we now know play into it. Uh, But it's hard to get to all of that sometimes day one, even though we have more time. Mm -hmm. um, But I think we're one of the best advocates to be able to do that because we have more time. I, uh, I see, I see a lot of people that have injured their shoulders because they do a lot of workers' compensation, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of injury, things like that. And I lately have like switched before my mindset was figure out what's going on. Like, is it this? Is it that? Is it, you know, and I've kind of completely switched my mindset, like got the information, got the intake of what's going on, kind of felt around, but then like my goal has become, they need to walk out of here feeling better than they came in. Um, you know, maybe it's not like crazy better, but they need to get up off that table and be like, I feel better because that's the only way they're going to come back. And that's the only way then I can continue to kind of figure out what is going on as we, I used to feel like I had to know the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has like changed significantly. And I find if they leave feeling better, then they're more likely to come back and come back and come back. Honestly, it takes a little pressure off of you as well yeah it does it does all the answers um, it definitely don't or we definitely yeah. don't you know <laughs> like sometimes then, the entire thing from here to here to down to yeah. back or you know it's like those weird referral patterns where it starts lower back and shoots up and down the arm and you're just like uh that wasn't in the textbook yeah. you know <laughs> like, that's not one of the referral patterns I've ever heard of you know but like helping them feel better, um, I notice has been a huge help for both them and me. I think one of the things that I've gotten better at doing over time is probably just my wording and how I approach it is um, involving the patient. Like <laughs> if what I'm doing is not helping, you tell me because I can't feel what you feel mm-hmm. and I'm here to help you. Um, but if you're not giving me feedback, I, I may not be doing the things that are that are helpful to you. So, you know, don't be afraid of offending me or, you know, like I, you know, don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I'm, I'm going to go towards what I think is going to be the most beneficial for you, but you may be the, the, the outlier that, you know, that doesn't, you don't respond as well to this. That's fine. You just have to tell me uh, those things so that I can help you. Cause I can't help you if I don't know those things. So really just putting a little bit more onus on the patient to give me feedback too, um, versus I think kind of when I first, I'll never forget my mom going to PT when I was in high school and for her shoulder and she kept going and she finally stopped going. And, uh, when I asked her why she was like, well, it hurts. And I was like, well, did you tell him? And she was like, well, no, he told me to do those exercises. So I was doing them, but they hurt. So I stopped going because it didn't feel good. I'm like, well, how's he supposed to know that? (laughs) You kept doing them, you know, like, but that was a a little bit of that generation of the doctor knows best. And I'm just going to follow, um, 
follow what you say because you're the expert and that's great. But at the same time, the expert can't feel what you're feeling. So you've got to give some more, more feedback. And so I, I, I take a little bit more time, a, that little bit of extra time to, to make sure that my patients know now, like, if it doesn't work, tell me, I'm not offended. Let's do something different. You just got to, got to kind of give me some feedback so we can work together as a team um, to get you better. Um, this isn't going to solely be on me. I think the physiology of each individual is part of what makes it different. And appreciating that is going to be how the two of you are going to work together. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that I do on the first day, obviously, is like trying to make sure they leave feeling better. But then the in, empower that knowledge of what sometimes not to do or mm-hmm. sometimes what to do. So mm-hmm. here's the two or three things I want you to avoid based on our conversation, each time you do this, it gets worse. So let's avoid, you know, that it might be a sitting posture. It might be how they're sleeping. It might be how they're lifting up a kid. It might be how they're loading the dishwasher, whatever it might be. But we, we've already confirmed that, that this specific activity contributes. So we've got to take that one out. And then instead we're going to put this in. So something to, to get that empowerment back of this is your body. So the more that you understand how your body works, the better you're going to feel. And the more control you're going to get back over the situation, the more control you get, the stress response starts coming down. When the stress response response starts coming down, now we can actually try and get to the mechanical nuance. But if we, we don't get that like big stressor, sleep, all the other things, everything's just clouded. So, and then that cloudiness is what makes it difficult. There's a lot of other things. So... Um, so anyway, that's, you know, uh, that's one of my big ticket items. I also really started working on is teaching them the different types of pain, you know, like, okay, I don't want sharp pain, but this discomfort or like when they say it just hurts pain, I'm like, okay. And I try to teach them to describe a pulling or a stretching versus muscle working versus like the bad type of pain. Um, and that has been really helpful and also explaining to them, like, it's okay as we're doing therapy, as long as there's no sharp pain, there's no debilitating pain. Like it's okay for that to rot your pain to go up like one or two numbers while you're doing exercise, while you're walking, while you're doing your activities you like, as long as a, it regresses when you stop and like recovers and it doesn't keep like adding up or like just teaching them that it's okay to have, have some discomfort while you're moving during this process as long as like, we're still making progress, like to not be scared, like, oh, I did that. It hurts. I'm not going to move. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. Like first, what type is it? Sharpness? No, don't do it. You know, or, you know, things like that, but trying to teach them to like problem solve through that as they're figuring out um, what's going on. One of the things that I've noticed over the years is that especially with chronic pain or maybe even reoccurring injuries, um, that there's almost like a sense of pain memory where even though they didn't cause any damage or do anything to the tissue, just the fact that they moved a certain way, which in the past had caused pain, then all of a sudden they have this sharp pain. It, it, very common in back pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't tell you um, because most of my patients have my cell phone number. Um, <laughs> 
the text messages that I'll get, you know, over the weekend of, you know, like, oh, I just jacked up my back. And then their immediate response is stress of, oh my gosh, I can't do, you know, I'm not going to be able to do anything. Like, is this the end of my career? They start going down this suffering pathway of um, a spiral of all these thoughts of what might be wrong. And um, the, the first thing I'm trying to do is just calm them down of, you know, this, it may not be anything, just don't worry about it. Like, don't, don't overthink about it. Go about your daily business. Like if it gets worse, let me know. But uh, it could just be that you moved in a way that in the past that had caused you pain. And so your brain recognized that as, wait, when I moved this way last time, it caused pain. Oh, that's pain. But it may not have been, um, it may not have been tissue damage, just may have been the movement that kind of sparked this sort of, I've started calling it pain memory um, mm-hmm. that, that uh, irritates them, um, but actually isn't causing any damage. And within a couple hours, they're fine. They're back to, you know, like once they kind of got their mind off of it, then they were okay. It was just, they were so focused on it in the moment. Um, and the brain is powerful and, and when it comes to pain and the more focus we put on pain, the more we feel that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and my population, it's really easy to describe this. Cause I'm like, if you're in the middle of a firefight and war in Afghanistan, do you notice they get shot? You might notice, does it hurt? Nope. Cause you're focused on staying alive. Like you are focused on something else and you think that's causing some pain and tissue damage. Sure. Absolutely. But you're so focused on something else that your brain totally blocks that out because it's going to focus on things. And usually when they start hurting is when they kind of have slowed down and don't have that many things to focus on now or like a mission to focus on or, or whatnot. And they just don't have much going on. And then they're like, oh, what did I think about? And then the brain's like, oh, that kind of hurts. And then all of a sudden they start thinking about it more. Like it's been there for the last five years. So, and you didn't do any damage, like you just never noticed it before. So trying to get their brain focused on something else, um, other than like completely focusing on the pain, I think also can make a pretty big difference. I've noticed like just how you say, like what they focus on is I hate, and I don't know, Tamara, you may be so lucky you don't have to do this, but I hate that for insurance, you have to ask and have this number every session associated with pain. Um, because like, what's the first thing? Oh, what's your pain level today? Like, and that's like focus on. So I like completely switched and like, I don't do those numbers at all unless I absolutely have to. And my question, I was like, how's your day going? What'd you do? Like trying to, as they get in and get them moving is like, you know, talking on more like them instead of like, so (laughs) welcome to therapy. How's your pain today? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have to do pain for the first visit but after that I usually say better worse same yeah Um, and then uh you know or or that function like you were talking about just that functional activity I'm like okay so how was getting out of your truck this morning right that bothered you last time oh it's better oh so you're better like I am all about let's reinforce that positive and kind of lead you down that pathway versus focusing on the negative because that's what it's about really it's really about can you do what you want to do mm-hmm. on the day-to-day basis? 
I mean, there's no point in time where I'm ever going to live in a world where I don't feel something in my body, right? Mm-hmm. Like that I don't have a, an, an ache here, a little something there, you know, all these little nuances. I mean, you know, if you're sitting in an airplane for a while, you're like, the seat's not really built for, for my size person, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, I, I just, there's no way for me to sit in this seat that is structured like that, or a car that has a bucket seat, you know, um, there's just, there's no chance I'm going to be able to sit in that. Does that mean that I have tissue damage? No, it's just the position that my body's in doesn't like that. It doesn't like that more that bucket seat or that slouch sitting and if I load my tissues for two, three, four, five, six, seven hours, then it's like, Oh, I'm like aching and uncomfortable. I get up and I walk and I feel fine. So again, it's empowering the knowledge of why am I feeling like this? Why, like, why do I have this ache? Why do I have this pain? And if I change something, does it stop? Well, if I do, then like, let's, let's play it back and say, is there something I could be doing in a different way to even prevent it from coming on in the first place? Then it's like, oh, wow, I just regained control over my entire situation and how I feel. What a concept. What if we think about pain like that of like empowering the individual? And then if there truly is damage, I mean, truly like, I mean, there's like, confirmation that like you fractured a bone, you know, there's, you know, all sorts of like, there's red flags, we'll say, um, then yes, yes, yes. Okay. That is a different situation. Yes. Um, we are not talking about or that a right specific now. mechanism. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like, fell down the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Tissue damage. Exactly. There's evidence of this huge bruise, you know, contusions or stitches, right? Like, so that's a different scenario that needs to heal. Obviously Um, it's, it's these other types of pain that I think are the ones that are uh, more on the misunderstood side, at least, at least even for me personally, you know, misunderstood. So, Mm -hmm. well, and real quickly, I'll tell you, like, I think another big thing, and we can talk about this later. Another episode is imaging. Um, how people, I, one time I had this patient who, um, was in a car accident and came in, hit, uh, came in further back in their knee and I was like assessing them. And I quickly was like, I think this is your hip. Like, I don't think it's either your back or your knee. Um, the knee went jammed, you know, and jammed back into the hip, the knee jammed into the dashboard, which pushed the, uh, hip posteriorly. And I was like, ah. And so I worked with him for three weeks. I kind of like still there was like, so they ordered an MRI. Long story short, the guy, by the time we got the MRI done and the results, the guy felt wonderful, great, no pain, doing everything in his life. MRI comes back and I read the MRI and I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not letting the doctor tell him this one. I'll tell him because it was fractured acetabulum. It was bilateral quad tears, hamstring tear. Like it was like really, really bad. Like if you just read the MRI he feels great. So I was like, it's okay. Like a lot of times people get that MRI back and says, I have a herniated disc. And it's like, no, no, no. Like a lot of us do like, you know, just because it shows something, it's not like always a great representation of like, what's truly going on. For and sure. how yeah, quickly yeah, like, mind can all of a sudden be like, Oh yeah. My backers. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Just, I think it, the way I always say it is it leaves you a little bit more like Tamara was first explaining your threshold is less. Yeah. So like, would you be able to tolerate as much as normal with those kind of findings? 
Probably not, right? Your threshold might be less than it used to be, but understanding where that threshold is keeps you operating well with inside of that threshold as you continue to make changes to heal whatever whatever it is that needs to be healed. Um, But it's not on off. It is. Yeah. It's not an on off like pain or no, it is more threshold based. And so as long as we're operating inside of the the threshold, that's okay. You're moving, right? You're moving, you're living, you're doing it. Like enjoy that. Enjoy the win. Don't just focus on the loss. And that's, I mean, that's why we named this podcast. The glass is half full. It's not (laughs) full. It is half full (laughs) every day. (laughs) But like reframe, that's, that's what we try and do. So, um, so anyway, uh, Dr. Tamer, thank you so much for coming on. This was a, uh, a really helpful, I think, start to our pain uh, month. I, I don't want to necessarily say, say pain science because there's more, you know, it, that gets a little bit too like maybe aggressive with, with the topic, but the month about pain. And we will be talking to other individuals, well, another physical therapist, a uh, and then other individuals that work outside physical therapy, maybe like a hypnotherapist and uh, massage therapy, other professionals that look at pain in different ways than we do. And we're going to learn from them. Hopefully they have something to share that, that is helpful <laughs> to us. So uh, please feel free to follow us on social media. We're on uh, Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. So uh, subscribe and you'll get notified when we have new content that comes out. And, uh, and then we're also on Apple podcasts as well. So um, t- stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. This should be fun. <laughs>